This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. So our series started at communion a month ago. And it's concluding today on Communion Sunday. And uh, you can see the five message titles that talk about and reveal the heart of the Apostle Paul. Why was he full of joy even though he was in house arrest and facing Nero, the emperor of Rome, for possible sentencing to death? How could he be joyful? First, he said, I pray with joy. When I remember all you Christians at Philippi, you mean so much to me that I can't help but pray with joy when I think of you. Second reason he had joy is because he saw the sovereignty of God in his circumstances. Joy is the celebration of the sovereignty of God. When you know that God's in control, then you can say, every circumstance I have, God is going to work it for good. So here he is in jail, but he says, it's working out for good because I get to share the good news with the guards that I'm chained to. I get to share the good news with people in the imperial palace. What an open door of opportunity. God is sovereign. Paul is joyful in the sovereignty of God. It doesn't have to do with circumstances. It has to do with the joy that God is in control. He's big enough to sit on the throne of the universe, and he's personal enough to sit on the throne of our hearts. Then Paul says, I follow Jesus' example with joy. When you follow Jesus' example, which is that he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for, for many, then it's not about self, it's about serving. And Paul got joy from serving, and he says to you and me, joy is found in serving, not in being self-serving. And then Paul says, I press on to know the Lord with joy. What is of surpassing value? Knowing Jesus. Everything else is garbage and dung compared to knowing Jesus. That's where true joy comes from. And now we come to the last chapter. Paul is saying, I am joyful because God has taught me that it's important to be able to receive. It's important to give, yes. But you have to be humble enough to receive from God his blessings and from God's people their blessings. When Paul was going to go to Rome originally, he said, I look forward that we might be a mutual blessing 
to each other. That's a sign of maturity. A lot of people, when they get older, say this. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. Have you ever heard anybody say that? And I know what you mean. You don't want people to bother about you. But let them minister to you. Because it's a blessing for them to give back. You've been giving your whole life. Let them bless you. Let God bless you. Receive blessings from God and others with joy. And so we're going to talk about this, receiving blessings with joy from Philippians 4. And here we have it. We are to receive joy in the Lord. We're to receive peace through prayer. Receive a sound mind and inspiration. Receive contentment and strength. And receive God riches for our needs. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to be hungry and ready for this message. So I want you to repeat these things after me, but I want you to stick a few words in front of them. I want you to say, I want to. Okay, so let's say, I want to receive joy in the Lord. And let's go right down the list with I want to. Together, I want to receive joy in the Lord. I want to receive peace through prayer. I want to receive a sound mind and inspiration. I want to receive contentment and strength. I want to receive God's riches for my needs. Do you want these things? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise your glorious and loving heart that you want to bless us. And you want to bless us through other people. So, Lord, we pray, open our hearts now to you that we may be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the first point is receive joy in the Lord. Philippians 4, 4 and 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. God wants you to have joy, and he wants your joy to be full. And your joy is not based on circumstances or happenstances, as happiness is. Happiness comes and goes. It's an emotion that comes and goes. But joy is an attitude that comes and grows. And Jan Breckles misheard me and came up with something better. She said, Joy is an attitude that comes and glows. I like that, Jan. That's why joy is influential. It glows. And where does that joy come from? It's not rejoicing in our circumstances. It's rejoicing in the Lord. The Lord who never changes. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shifting or shadow of change. He is the immutable, unchangeable rock. God never changes. He's dependable. He's trustworthy. And therefore, we can rejoice in the Lord all the time. Because God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. We can rejoice in the Lord 
in every season because great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. You're looking for a reason to be joyful. Rejoice in who God is and what God has done. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's what you're doing. You're rejoicing in the goodness of God. You're rejoicing in the faithfulness of the Lord. And you can always do that, no matter what your circumstances are. In all things, give thanks to God, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are to rejoice. I was at a concert, and during this concert, by a uh, famous tenor Christian singer, Lionel Harris. He stopped and he said something that to me was absolutely profound. He said, joy is a choice. You can choose joy. And I don't know why, I, I never thought of that before. It didn't hit me as hard as it did that night. But you know how you're on a, on a telephone, or you're, you're, you're in an argument with your spouse or with somebody, and you're, you know, going back and forth, and you're really irritated. The phone rings, you pick it up, and you say, Hello? <laughs> now, how did you do that? How did you go from arguing to being sweet and courteous and saying, Hello? You made a choice. And so you can choose joy. You can say to your soul, hope thou in God. You can choose. I choose right now, even though everything around me is breaking and falling apart and going the wrong direction, I choose by the will, by my will, to rejoice in the Lord. I shall rejoice in in my God. And guess what? That choice to rejoice in the Lord, to, to have the attitude of joy, transforms everything. It breaks the dark clouds of gloom and self-pity because your focus isn't on you anymore. It's on the Lord. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look fully into his glorious face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Second, we receive peace through prayer. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's an antidote for worry. Many of us are prone to be worry warts. My mom was the queen of worry warts. And I said, I'm never going to be like her. But deep down in my spirit, I know that I'm just like my mom in worrying about things that will never happen. But I still 
feel anxious. And what do you do about worry? You give the full weight of that worry to God in prayer. Right now, God, I'm feeling anxious. I'm nervous. I'm I'm on pins and needles. I I feel this this unease. I wonder when the other shoe's going to drop. And God, I just give this worry to you. You see, worry is negative meditation. Worry is negative meditation because to meditate is to chew on the cud like a cow. Chews on a cow, sends it to one of his five stomachs, sends it back, chews on some more, sends it back, chews on some more. That's what we do with negative thoughts. Something bad's going to happen. I know something bad's going to happen. And you just keep thinking about it. And the more you worry about it, the more it gives you an ulcer, the more it just ruins your joy. What should you do with your worry? Give it to God in prayer. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And it uses three words for prayer. There's prayer, the general word, petition, which is the specific supplication, And always, whenever you pray, you pray with thanksgiving. You're saying, thank you, God. I can offload all of my worry and all of my stress to you and exchange it for your perfect peace that surpasses understanding. I can't figure it out, but I can trust you. Right? I can trust in the Lord to work all these things out. Because a lot of our fears never come to be, and the ones that do come to be aren't as bad as we thought they were. And if, even if they are, we can rejoice in the Lord. You're always in a win-win situation if you'll practice these blessings, if you'll receive these blessings. Receive joy in the Lord by rejoicing in Him. Receive peace from God by praying to Him. And it says... The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. There are two words for worry. One word for worry is to choke. Worry chokes out your joy. Worry chokes out your view of life. And also, another word for worry is to tear apart. The word anxiety means to tear apart. So when you think about it, are you going to let worry choke you and tear you apart? Are you going to let the peace of God guard you and pull you together? See, the mind says, this is going to happen. And the heart says, no, this is what's going to happen. And the head says, no, this is what's going to happen. the heart says, no, this is what You feel like you're between... Two horses with ropes attached to your arms and they're running in different directions and they're going to tear you asunder. That's what worry feels like. You feel like you're being ripped in half. But when you have the peace of God, it holds you together. It causes your mind and your heart to be focused on the trustworthiness of God. And you rest in peaceful trust. Stayed upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed. That's the message here. Then we have 
receive a sound mind and inspiration. Where do most of our problems start? Right between the ears. We need a sound mind. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, um, it says, For you have not received the spirit of resignation or a spirit of timidity. You've been given a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. That's what you have in Christ. A spirit of love and power and a sound mind. But you've got to keep using that mind by focusing in on the right things. You've heard of G-I-G-O. G-I-G-O stands for garbage in, garbage out. So you want to feed yourself with beautiful things. Things that nourish your soul, not things that diminish your soul. Things that bring you closer to God, not things that push you away from God. Things that are based on the Word and not things that are based on the world. So whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. In other words, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, meditate on those things. So again, I told you, worry is negative meditation. Paul is giving the Christians an antidote for worry. You pray, and then you think about positive things. You meditate on things that are worthwhile. God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you you're taking care of me. Thank you that you've got the whole world in your hands. Thank you that you're working all things for good in my life. Thank you that you know the plans you have for me, for good and not for evil, to prosper me and and to give me a hope Think about the scriptures and the promises of God, and I guarantee you, you will not be wallowing in worry. You will be soaring like an eagle, mounting up with wings like an eagle, because your hope is in God. Your trust is in God. You're waiting upon God. So this is important, that we have a sound mind and that we have inspirational models. Paul says in Philippians 4.9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul had said before, imitate me as I imitate Christ. When you see a Christian who's living out the faith, you say, wow, that's an inspiration to me. When I saw the movie Chariots of Fire, and I saw, you know, Uh, um, the the star of the show running for Jesus, that inspired my faith to stand up for the Lord. And and you have other examples, and there are many examples for me in this congregation. Each one of you is an inspiration to me. Can I tell you that? I see Jesus in each one of you. And you bring out a different aspect of Jesus that I would not ordinarily see. And I say, I love that about you. You inspire me to live for the Lord by your example. You could look around at ordinary Christians and there's something about them that you see Jesus and say, I want to be a little bit more like that. At a memorial service, 
what happens at a memorial service? The Bible in Ecclesiastes says it's better to go to a memorial service than to go to a party. Why? Because at a memorial service, you're more reflective about your life. At a party, you're just having fun. So you're at a memorial service. Somebody you know and have known for years has died. That person had a life message. And you say before you leave that memorial service, I want to have something of that in my life. I want to grow in being more like this person as I saw Christ in him or her and remember him or her. Isn't that true? There's something you take away. So let these models be inspirational for you in living for Jesus. Receive contentment and strength. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Did you know that contentment is something that is learned? Contentment is something that is learned. When I was a kid, I had no control over my appetite, and I would eat everything in sight. Uh, But then as I grew older, I learned that if there's only a little, you're thankful for a little. Now I feel I have an accordion stomach. If there's a lot, I can eat a lot. If there's a little, I'm happy with a little. But you have to learn to be content. And the secret of contentment, how can you be content when there's a little? Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret. Get ready, drum roll, please. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the secret. I can be content with a little because I have Christ. And Christ gives me strength. When I used to run marathons and I'd be hitting the wall at mile 16 or mile 18 or mile 21, and I saw somebody wearing a t-shirt, and on the back of the t-shirt it had Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It just gave me a third, fourth wind, and I was able to run more because I was relying on the strength of Christ. When we rely on the fumes of our personality, we run on empty and the fumes of empty. But when we rely on God, on Jesus Christ, He strengthens us. He gives us the attitude, the contentment, the satisfaction. Here it is in in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, Godliness with contentment equals true wealth. Did you hear that? Godliness plus contentment equals true wealth. True wealth is not your possessions. True wealth is found in being godly. True wealth is being godly and having contentment. If you're godly and you're content, you're good. You're good. You're satisfied. You can say with the psalmist David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, which is the King James Version. But you know, the modern version is this, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Do you hear that? It's saying the same thing, only different, positively. The Lord is my shepherd, I am content, I have everything that I need. My mom used to say, 
We're living on love. And she also said, don't give me anything else. I need to dust. God wants us to be content. And contentment is found through Christ. Finally, we are to receive God's riches for our needs. Notice this. Paul wrote the book of Philippians as a glorified thank you note. Because time and time and time again, who came through for Paul in missionary support? It was the church at Philippi. When he was in Thessalonica, uh, even out of the poverty of the Philippian believers, they sent offerings to him twice. And here he is in house imprisonment, and they send Epaphroditus to come and deliver their support and to say, and they sent me to serve you in any way I can. I'm here to serve you and bless you in any way I can, gift of, compliments of the church at Philippi. So Paul is writing a big thank you note called the book of Philippians. But he's saying, you're going to be blessed for giving. My God will meet all of your needs, Christians at Philippi, for your generosity, according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I could never pay you back. But God, who sees in secret how you have given sacrificially for the cause of the gospel, will bless you. He will fill your cup to overflowing. He will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you. My God will meet every one of your needs because you were seeking first the kingdom of God and His and his righteousness. You were giving unto the Lord when you supported me in my missions work. Thank you very much. That's what Paul's saying. Now, what's so important here is to know that when you receive Christ, it's like you were once an orphan, like little Annie. And Daddy Warbucks adopted you. Now, Annie was an orphan, but when she got adopted by Daddy Warbucks, now she's wealthy because his wealth is hers. And he wants to meet little Annie's needs. God, who's much bigger and better and greater and uh, also a reality versus Daddy Warbucks, is more than happy to meet every one of your needs. Now, notice I said needs, not greeds. God wants to meet your needs, not your greeds. You know, I say, oh, I want a Cadillac, or I want a BMW, or I want a Rolls Royce, or a Jaguar. No. Or a Tesla. No. You know, you get what you get to get around, but I'm meeting your needs. And so God wants you and me to ask him according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus to meet our needs. The book of James, James says, you have not because you ask not. We need to ask God to meet our needs and trust that he will. All right, so I hope this has helped going through Philippians 4 
that you can receive these things. Let's just say, thank you, Lord, that I can receive joy in the Lord. And we'll say that for each of these. Thank you, Lord, that I can receive joy in the Lord. Thank you, God, that I can receive peace through prayer. Thank you, God, that I can receive a sound mind and inspiration. Thank you, God, that I can receive contentment and strength. Thank you, God, that I can receive your riches for my needs. Praise the Lord. You are rich in Christ. Receive God's blessings. Now, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to respond to what you've heard from God's Word. If you've never trusted in Christ or you're not sure you've trusted in Christ, pray this prayer. Say, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord by faith right now. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sins and for rising from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. I want to know and follow you and learn how to continue to receive your blessings. Pray that prayer. Now, maybe you've been a believer for a long time, and you need to pray in response to what you just heard. Lord, by faith I receive your joy, your peace, your sound mind, your contentment, and your riches. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.